You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM uh, and we are live on rr365.co.uk listen live also on our YouTube channel and I believe we are on Facebook live as well I'm Zubair from Lahore just now uh, speaking to the audience in Glasgow and we have our guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad uh, based at the moment in Istanbul um assalamu alaikum Sheikh Alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. Uh, it's a nice change of cap and I appreciate that. It's, it's a nice fresh color. Alhamdulillah for the, <laughs> for the, not for the audience, for the viewers. Um, yeah, summer, summer is, is, is hot. So it was really hot today, Sheikh, here, really hot. Uh, energy is just totally depleted. Uh, how was Istanbul today? It was very hot. It was 20 degrees. It was very hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Part-time. Yeah, so it's just over 40 today. Alhamdulillah. Mm. Uh, so air conditioning, uh, it's working. Yes, it's working. It's on 24 degrees. Yeah, let's go 16. So, inshallah. Surah Ambiya. Surah Ambiya is, uh, we are on 21st of Ramadan. Yes, 21st of Ramadan. And uh, yeah, 20th of Ramadan, 3rd of May, iftar today is at 9.07. So people uh, today in uh, this part of the world are going for itikaf. Uh, there was a mixed kind of uh, message from the government. Some mosques are allowing itikaf and others aren't. Uh, but there are uh, people in itikaf with some restrictions. Uh, a very strange year again, yet once again. Uh, this year, there is restricted uh, permission for uh, for itikaf. And uh, Sheikh, before we go into the ayahs today, just a bit about itikaf. Uh, today is a day that a lot of people are trying and they are queuing up and mosques are turning them away and others are trying kind of means which are like asking for people can you please let us be there and if there is government officials coming into the mosques and there is almost cat and mouse there so in some of the mosques uh they are uh, at least a mosque i know uh quite popular for itikaf and there is this situation of so uh, it doesn't look like itikaf there are no hujras made but the mm-hmm. people are going to be there um just a bit on how do we interact with this kind of situation that we find ourselves in and what becomes uh, 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 what is supposed to be worship and when it ceases to be one and it becomes something else um, so uh, i think your question is probably about um is an act of worship so itikaf is son of the prophet he would do itikaf in the last 10 days of ramadan um, and so this is known as being one of the sunan of uh, the, the the month itself. So it's one of the ways that you um, focus on on the on the search for the night of Qadr, obviously. Um, but we also have um, this impasse, which is a conflict with um, advice which is given by health practitioners, um, government officials, but also scholars. So it's not just um, 
you know, it's wrong to say that this is advice from uh, medical practitioners saying you, we want to stop the spread of a specific disease or the government trying to clamp down on some kind of activity in a mosque. Added to that is the fact that the scholars have said that in the, in the light of the Sharia and Islamic law and ethics that we follow, it's also something that should be considered in 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 you know whether people need to do etikaf in, in a year in which it can lead to an uh, you know kind of what they call is super spreader events or whatever it is. In other words, if this is if is if this is as contagious as it's been proven to be, um, regardless of what the source is, regardless of what your take on it in terms of its origin is, if the nature is that it is um, you know contagious in that way, then you have to take precautions. So the Quran does say hudu you know, take your take precautions, and the precautions here would be for your life and your health, um, and this is not just health in terms of you know illness. This is in terms of life and death, you know, it, it, it precipitating the death of somebody else through your action. One person may say, "Well, I can do it take off, and it doesn't affect me," but we're talking about as a general statement, and we know that. In our Sharia, you know, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he instigated many, many rulings that were not around at the time of the Prophet or even during the Khilaf of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, which were based upon public interest and looking at the needs of the, the common good at the time. And so this is one of those issues. It's not it's not a problem, but I think the big issue becomes when so-called, you know, quote-unquote religious scholars take it as being um, an affront or an attack upon their religious, um, you know, sphere influence. So, you know, it's, I think it's wrong to for scholars to take it as being a specific attack on what they consider to be just their realm of activity. And it becomes quite naive if people start um, separating religion and state and politics and all these things into separate things, as Islam is a religion that, you know, covers all those different aspects. So, if you give a fatwa in Islamic law, it's also a political statement. It's also an economic statement. It's also a, a medical statement of, of sorts as well. So, you know, you know, forfeiting the, the etika for a year or two years for, for, for a greater good is not something that is unheard of in Islamic law in terms of precedence. I don't know Surah, if that was a question. Um, yeah, I don't know if that no, was your question. It is. I mean, it, it is, it is, uh, the, the, I mean I was, to be honest, I was finding it strange people trying to still flock when there is mm. looming lockdown mm. uh, in, in the city that I'm in. Uh, government is trying to curtail the congregation movement of people and uh, any communal gatherings. Mm. And yet we, we feel, we see people insisting on doing uh, a form of worship, mm. performing a form of worship which is optional. Uh, mm. and, and there are, there are other things more important, and, and we know the people are dying around us. Mm. Uh, the, the 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 death rate is quite high. The 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 rate of people going into ICU is very very high at the moment in the city, mm. and uh, the, the, there is this inclination of people that if you're in mosque, you'll be safe. No, it won't. We won't be harmed because we just did, did the, the, we'll be worshiping. You know, did, the, you know, did um. So Umar was was assassinated in the mosque. Subhanallah. And Sayyidina Ali was stabbed in the mosque. And Sayyidina Uthman was, you know, murdered while reading the Mus'haf. His blood's on the Mus'haf. 
you know, one of my, our teachers, Sayyid Ramadan Bulti, was was blown up while reading Surah Al Imran in the mosque teaching. Yeah. And wherever you are, death reaches you, even if you're in the highest yeah. mountains. <laughs> mountains. Death beneath. reaches you where you are. Yeah. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. So, yes, mm. precaution uh, and taking into consideration others' health. And, and and the sanctity of life mm. which the sharia is all about thank you for that yes that was my question and i kind of had this inclination that this would be the answer but wanted to share that with people as well mm. yes so jo sun rahe hain yaar itikaf pe israr na karo zindagi kimti cheez hai aur zindagi guzarne ke liye jo allah ne bataya اللہ کے رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم نے ہمارے فیصل اسحاق صاحب ہیں مولانا اسحاق صاحب گلاسکو میرا تو بڑی سمپل سادہ سادہ سی باتیں کرتے ہیں اور سادگی سادگی میں بہت بڑی بڑی باتیں کر جاتے ہیں تو ان سے ان کے جو نمازی تھے انہوں نے اصرار کیا کہ بھائی آپ جمعے کی نماز سے روک رہے ہیں کہتے پنجابی میں کہتے کدھی جمعہ پڑھنا ثواب ہو جاتا ہے تو کدھی جمعہ نہ پڑھنا ثواب ہو جاتا ہے آج کل نہ پڑھنا سواب ہے سو یو نو اٹس لائک دس از ہاؤ دے اچھا ٹھیک ہے مولانا ٹھیک ہے جو کہتا ہے وہ ٹھیک ہے سو یہ سننا از ٹو فالو واٹس بین سیڈ واٹس ریکوائرڈ واٹس ریکوائرڈ از سننا Yeah, you would say, would he tell you to, to go on Etikaf or would he tell you not to go on Etikaf? The Prophet told people on one of the, 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 the expeditions to pray in their mosques, so sorry, pray in their tents when the Adhan went. And in fact, in Madid Nawara, he said to the Mu'adhin, tell, you know, call out to the people, pray in their houses hmm. because of rain. So is it not, you know... Is it not better to pray in the mosque? The Prophet said it's 25 times better to pray in the mosque than in the, in, in the house, and in one narration, 27 times more meritorious and higher in daraja. But then why did the Prophet tell people, pray in your houses? Because at that point, it was more merit, there's more merit in praying in your houses. Sheikh, I've been, just a thought that's come, come to my mind, right? The, the entire thread of reflections has been over the years and this year especially is to keep using your mind and mapping information with practicality hmm. constant it's, it's a constant thing and not everybody is able to do that you know the, mm-hmm. there is knowledge there's information and trying to extrapolate what prophet would have done وسلم, in this situation that we are in and that's not a Uh, that's not someone something that everyone can do While... so where were you when we covered the verse fasalu ahli dhikri in kuntum la ta'lamun so anbiya we just did it <laughs> i think the fourth or fifth um wapas nishist mein baat ki thi humne isko nishist number you just find it allahu akbar Yeah, so, so the point is, yes, nobody, of course, nobody knows the, the, the detailed answers of things. That's why you have um, people that remind you of things you've misplaced or misunderstood or not, are not uh, acknowledging or don't know. 
that's how it is. That's with everything. That's with medicine. That's with engineering. That's with mathematics. That's with cooking. You know, how many times do you have to phone somebody to, to teach you, to remind you how to make rice, for example? So ask, basically, right? Yeah, ask. I mean, that's the nature of life. And when I tell you, or when somebody tells you that knows, then you say, ah, it makes perfect sense. It's not as if, perfect. you know, you say and somebody says, yeah, it's a really strange thing you've said. Yes, yes. Where do yes. you get this from? It's pretty basic. But, but there is a tradition of, uh, you know, there is a big business here, right? Uh, of there is there is a course gu- guideline, and mm-hmm. there is a textbook, and then there is a key to pass your exams. And the key is for you know dumb, right, proper idiots, um, you know, approach to just don't think there's the answer. And we, over the over the centuries, we've got those keys to understand simplified religion. Uh, you know, either essay, either essay, ye guna, ye sawab, yahan pe kufar, yahan pe. Yeah, this is one of the, the most difficult situations in my life I've been in is where I've been somewhere and then somebody of that mindset, somebody asked me a question and they're listening to it. And so I give them an answer and the person's perfectly happy with the answer. And then this person says, well, isn't that haram? Or is it was it Yes. And I'm thinking, you know, where do you come from? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, just crawl it. The, you know, so and they insist okay. it's it's the, it's the way they think. So how can you explain to somebody like that? I, I was just about to name a few books, which I'm not going to because I will probably just have some controversy so yeah when the tradition in the subcontinent is that you're given a a guide a small Mm. book and you Mm. read that and that is it this is deen and anything other out of that is going to be a problem because you don't ask Mm. you don't have access to people uh, no to honest um, you know those small books they are useful for you know the 95% of everything you'll come up in your life so basically if everything's okay if everything's going well, there's etikaf, there's prayer in the mosque, there's Jumaa, there's Jumaa, there's Tarawih, there's all these things. All the rulings are as, as they are. But, you know, fiqh is not, you know, the thing about fiqh is not knowing the answers to things that are commonly known. Fiqh is un- being able to explain or to come to the answer to something that not many people know and it requires exertion of your mind to get to the answer. That's fiqh. So otherwise, that system repeating things that are mentioned. If this happens, do this. You know, this is like an exam question: is if this happens, what do you do? You know, how many faraid do you have in wudu? How many elements of wudu are there? What's the ruling for reciting fatiha in the prayer? What's the the, the time limit for giving zakat al-fitr? You know, what's the nisab on cryptocurrency? You know, depending on what it is, you have an answer. Fiqh is out of all those questions to come up with one where you need to actually think about like cryptocurrency. So if somebody asks what's a cryptocurrency, do you pay zakat in it? You can't answer that unless you understand cryptocurrency, you understand normal currency, you understand fiat currency, you understand the banking st- structures and uh, you know the way that um, payments are made and, and transferred. And then you understand the nature of zakat and then you apply it to that issue. And so I've read so many so many articles by scholars, fatwas on you know cryptocurrency that um, I don't think they understand what cryptocurrency is. But worse than that, they don't understand what currency is, like a dollar, mm. real. They don't understand how it, how it comes into being. 
And so fiqh is fiqh is deep understanding. So when uh, Sayyidina uh, Abu Hanifa, you know, was debating with Imam Malik, at the end of it, he says, "Innahu la faqihun." He says he is really a faqih, a really a scholar of insight. So you know, there's some things that are easily accessible, and you can have those small guides for that, you know, small books that everybody has. But you have to remember that beyond that is fasalu ahlil dhikri in kuntum la ta'alamun. You know, ask people of dhikr, a remembrance or knowledge if you don't know. We'll be going on to today's ayahs, this uh, translation and commentary by Sheikh Raswan. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. وَوَهَبْنَا لَهُ إِسْحَاقَ وَيَعْقُوبَ نَافِلَهُ وَكُلَّا جَعَلْنَا صَالِحِينَ And we gave him Isaac and Jacob in addition, and all of them we made righteous. وَجَعَلْنَاهُمْ وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْهِمْ فِعْلَ الْخَيْرَاتِ وَإِقَامَ الصَّلَاةِ وَإِيْتَاءَ الزَّكَاةِ وَكَانُوا لَنَا عَابِدِينَ And we made them leaders guiding by our command. And we inspired to them the doing of good deeds, establishment of prayer and giving of zakah. And they were worshippers of us. And to Lot we gave judgment and knowledge and we saved him from the city that was committing wicked deeds. Indeed, they were a people of evil, defiantly disobedient. انہوں نے کہا جلا ڈالو یہ پچھلی آیات تھیں جلا ڈالو اور اس کو جلا ڈالو اس کو اور حمایت کرو اپنے خداؤں کی اگر تمہیں کچھ کرنا ہے ہم نے کہا اے آگ ٹھنڈی ہو جا اور سلامتی بن جا ابراہیم پر یہ وہ آیات ہیں جو کہ ہم نے ابراہیم علیہ السلام کی سٹوری کو کور کیا وہ چاہتے تھے کہ ابراہیم کے ساتھ برائی کریں مگر ہم نے ان کو بری طرح ناکام کر دیا اور ہم اسے اور لوت کو بچا کر اس سرزمین کی طرف نکال لے گئے جس میں ہم نے دنیا والوں کے لیے برکتیں رکھی ہیں ہم اسے اور لوت علیہ السلام کو بچا کر اس سرزمین کی طرف نکال لے گئے جس میں ہم نے دنیا والوں کے لیے برکتیں رکھی ہیں اور ہم نے اسے اسحاق عطا کیا اور یعقوب اس پر مزید اور ہر ایک کو صالح بنایا اور ہم نے ان کو امام بنا دیا جو ہمارے حکم سے رہنمائی کرتے تھے اور ہم نے انہیں وہی کے ذریعے سے نیک کاموں کی اور نماز قائم کرنے اور زکوٰۃ دینے کی ہدایت کی اور وہ ہمارے عبادت گزار تھے اور لوت کو ہم نے حکم اور علم بخشا اور اسے اس بستی سے بچا کر نکال دیا جو بدکاریاں کرتی تھی 
در حقیقت وہ بڑی ہی بری فاسق قوم تھی اور لوت علیہ السلام کو ہم نے اپنی رحمت میں داخل کیا وہ سالے لوگوں میں سے تھا صدق اللہ الدین شیخ ٹوڈیز آیاز جسٹ موونگ آن فرام دا اسٹوری آف ابراہیم علیہ السلام ویئر ہی علیہ السلاۃ والسلام از سیوڈ بائی اللہ سبحانہ تعالیٰ ڈائریکٹ انٹروینشن ویئر دا فائر از ناؤ کولڈ اینڈ ہی از سیوڈ اینڈ دا اسٹوری کنٹینیوس Yeah, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So th- this story is interesting because it talks about the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. At that young age, he is given salvation from the the torment that his tribe are about to inflict upon him. He's saved. And Allah says that, and that, that means we delivered. In other words, we delivered him from a, a state of um, difficulty and hardship and threat. And not just him. Walutan and also um, Lut and Lut is a relative. He's a nephew of the Prophet Ibrahim So what we understand is that there's going to be something similar, not just in terms of the relationship that they have in terms of lineage, but also in terms of their story, which is that they're both delivered and saved at a certain time. And what's interesting is that they're saved and delivered to a place place of safety. You know, so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Ila al-ardi lati barakna fiha lil-alamin." to a place or, or, or a place of the earth that we have um, you know, given blessings for all of people. So this is understood generally to be the land of Palestine, um, present-day Palestine, Jordan, the Jordan Valley. So they're both delivered and they're both saved from the, the imminent threat of, and threats of their, um, you know, their, their people. And the Prophet Lut actually came from outside of where he was, Sodom and Gomorrah were not the, his birthplace. Um, but he was he was there and he was essentially accepted as being one of them. But obviously, you know, the story will have some parallels in, in different ways. So the Quran will start to, you know, this section of three or four verses, it will start to bring in different time zones, different places, different prophets. So Allah says in, in the next verse, And we granted to him and gave a gift to him, meaning Ibrahim, which is his son. And remember the whole difficulties of of the the prophet Ibrahim being given a son, and we know also that the son was was um, you know given to him and announced to him by two angels that were sent by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to him. Um, and munkarun, in fact, the Quran talks about them and saying that there there were people that were unknown to him. Two angels arrive. You know, you can imagine in the middle of nowhere, two people come, and. You, you don't know who they are. So the, in Arabic, that's called munkar. Munkar is not what we say munkar in terms of something hated. Munkar is something that is nakira, which is unknown. And generally, if you think about it, something that's unknown is usually at those times in, in, in difficulties or darkness or um, you know, in the middle, middle of wilderness, you usually have some kind of fear there because they might be bandits, they might be thieves, they might be there to kill you. So... There was this degree of fear, but obviously they gave the news of the, the imminent birth of Ibrahim and his wife's son, Ishaq. وَيَعْقُوبَ Which is a son of Ishaq. Nafila as an extra gift. So what's here interesting is that Allah rewards the Prophet Ibrahim and also the Prophet Lut by being delivered from the, the tyranny of their peoples. But then they're giving some, given something else. Specifically, the Prophet Ibrahim is given something else, which is a son. And also this idea of progeny, you know, 
the blessing of the Prophet Ibrahim is in what the Prophet mentioned in a hadith, which is actually a fa very fascinating hadith, in which the companions asked the Prophet who is who amongst who is the best of people, man nas, who is the best of people? And the Prophet said, lillah, the best of you is the one that's most pious. And then they said to him, O Master of God, we didn't ask you about this question. And then he says, Fa'idan, Nabi ibn Nabi ibn Nabi ibn Nabi. He said, it's the, it's the Prophet, son of a Prophet, son of a Prophet, son of a Prophet, which is the Prophet Ibrahim Ali who's a son of, you know, the father, great, great grandfather of all the way back to the Prophet Yusuf Ali And so they, they also said, you know, we didn't ask you about that either. But the point is, this, this is the gift that Allah gives the Prophet Ibrahim. You can think of it at that young age, rejecting idol worship and standing up for his, his beliefs and standing up to injustice in that way had the result of him being elevated to the most blessed lineage that human beings have known in terms of prophecy. You know, the Prophet Ibrahim Ali Salatu Yaqub with them, Ishaq, then Yaqub, then the Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. Now that is how he is given as a nafila. Nafila, as you know in Arabic, means something extra. You know, extra prayers that you do are called nafila. And so this is what he's given as an extra, you know, as, as a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Leave aside being saved. And then Allah says, And we made all of these people in a state of righteousness. And what's interesting here, remember this is Surah, Surah Al-Anbiya. Yeah? So this is, you know, the title of it is Al-Anbiya. What, what is it about the Anbiya that's important? The important thing is that they're, they're delivered. They're given special care by God. And also they have this quality which is important, which is وَجَعَلْنَا In fact, when you were reading it, when it was being recited now, I just thought of this. جَعَلْنَا Al-Ja'al is, in, 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 even in theology, it's, it, it's, it has this sense of being inbuilt. It's, it's this inherent quality. وَكُلَّنْ جَعَلْنَا صَالِحِينَ Allah is the one that made them into, fashioned them into, and inculcated within them this salah, this sulh, this quality of purity and righteousness. And also, وَجَعَلْنَاهُمْ أَئِمَّةً جَعَلْنَا Again, the same root comes up in the next verse. وَجَعَلْنَاهُمْ أَئِمَّةً And we made them and created them and fashioned them into what? أَئِمَّةً Leaders. Now, that is the whole point of prophets. Remember, we were talking about prophets as being these mountains that, you know, you know, allow us to mark the pathway between the path that we're taking, which is on the low ground. But the, the prophets are these mountains that allow us to navigate to where we want to get to. The prophets have these these special special qualities that I've mentioned. Jalnahum immatan yahduna bi amrina that guide by our command. Wa and also we give them revelation. This is something special to Anbiya. Ilayhim, we give it, we give it to them. And we it also, it cannot actually also mean here inspired. We inspired them to be given to doing acts of khayrat, goodness, and establishing the prayer and giving purju, which is zakat. And that last section, the last kind of portion, and they were obedient servants of us is what they then did themselves. It wasn't they, they weren't robots that they were just made to be pious, they were made to be leaders, they were made to guide us to, to Allah. But but they themselves, out of their own choice and volition and action, were worshipping as well. It's not as if they had no reward because they were just, 
you know, sent his, these kind of robots to us or angels to us to do what God had told them and they had no volition and choice. The prophets themselves, you know, they had to constantly make choices for themselves to raise themselves up to be deserving of what God essentially gave them as well. So it's, it's a fascinating, it's, it looks like such a simple verse, but it is such a fascinating thing. From the one hand, you've got the fact they're chosen, they're selected, they're honoured, they're created in this perfect form of infallibility. And this is going to be important because, you know, the, a couple of verses later on, there'll be situations where people say, well, there's an example of them sinning and rebelling against Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, na'udhu You know, this idea that they're rebelling against God, they're fighting against God, they're disagreeing with God, they're angry with God. Subhanallah, you, you, do you not read the Quran with, with reverence and reflection? You know, this is why I always think that people um, are in a very difficult situation nowadays where they, you know, I had this a student actually asking in one of the classes, saying, I find it difficult to accept that when the Prophet, you know, one of the Prophets did something, but they weren't sinning. And I said, did you understand what they did in the first place? He says, no, but the way I understand it, they sinned. And I said, goodbye because where did you get this from you know if this is how you like your prophets to be then there's, an, there's other religions there that allow prophets to sin and rebel against god um this is sort of ambiya and as we as we go through it you'll be very very clear what they're sent sent for and what their what their purpose is the, the shade of meaning in, in uh, is interesting I, I couldn't find this in translation in english uh, it's like as if Giving them wasn't enough. Or um, ne use ishaq ata kiya aur yakub faisal is par mazid aur har ek ko saleh banaya. Yani he had sons aur uh, mazid like uh, having people who are going to follow him and they were also Saleh or humne unko imam banaya or jo hamare hukum se rahnumai karte the so mm. it's one upon another and another and another yeah that's i mean it english i mean i mean i mean i i teach yeah i i teach obviously tafsir in, in some of the courses and this last night i was actually replacing a whole translation with another translation because for seven years i've been not happy with the translation that i use initially because it, when I teach the tafsir, it's pretty clear that, that this this translation is not doing any justice to the Quran. So last night I thought mm. I might as well spend you know all all night replacing all the translations with much better translations, um, because you know it doesn't doesn't show, do any justice to, to the the Arabic itself. Um, you know the, the shades that come out and the meaning and the the ramifications and the lessons from that. It's not just we talk about translating; we're talking the message. And the and the lessons that come out com are completely different then from what people just read when they just do a, a word for word translation, which is mm. you know lots of people think that this is the way to go, one word after another after another. No, you have to take it in the context of the structure and our theology and our law and Arabic language and Arabic rhetoric and morphology and grammar. And then you get a different understanding of the Quran from just saying, oh, this word means this, and this word means this, and added together, it, you know, one plus one equals two. No, in, 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 you know, in terms of Quran, you, the, the letters of the Arabic language are the same ones that people sell onions and potatoes with in the marketplace. If you think about it, 
And the words here, some of the words that are used in the Quran are the same words that people use day in, day out. It's not the fact the words are special, it's the way that they're connected together and the fact that they're the speech of Allah, that, that makes them special. And also that implies that the meaning is very deep as well. And so you have the next verse, which is... yeah. So uh, ayah number 72 and 73, uh, it, it, to me it's like, it's, it's loaded, right? It's loaded that they, they are people who are saleh, they're people who are imams, people who are leaders, people who guide others with the hukum of Allah. Yeah, it's like personal worship, and um, public they guide worship, the cause public service. Yeah. And then they do good acts. Generally, yeah. They do yeah. good acts. They worship. establish prayers. Uh, they, they, they worship. They, they, have, they establish prayer. And they pay zakah. Uh, Meaning no, social service. Pay, Zakat or ki hidayat. So they, they, yeah. So they guide people to be involved in social service, and the last bit is they are abidin. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that that's their choice, that's their volition, that's their um, action, which is to worship God, and so. We are supposed to. Yeah, we're supposed to, I mean, I can't exactly hear what you're saying completely because I think the audio is gone. But yeah, we're supposed to mirror them and and take them as our guides in those things. Each of those things is something that we can aspire to, to become an imma, to ask Allah that he makes us amongst people that are given, um, you know, a, a role of adjudicating, you know, according to the laws of God. Um, and all those other things are exactly... You know that we can be inspired to do all these great things as well, and so you know that kind of guidance that's mentioned in the verse, um, also then has other implications because then Allah will now go into you know this ever since we've gone into the start of the story of the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi there's now this cascading of prophets one after another, and snippets of their lives and snippets of their tribulations and snippets of their activity. And this is going to have to rely upon everything we talked about before. So the story of Lut Ali Allah says that, and as for Lut, we granted him this um, criteria, which is hukam, which is his ideal ability to tell right and wrong, essentially. وَعِلْمًا, which is knowledge. وَنَجَّيْنَاهُ And also we saved him من القرية التي كانت تعمل الخبائث. And we saved him from, from, the, from the townships. And this is Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know this from you know other literature as well as authenticated. That used to engage in khabaith. And the Urdu translation was a good one because it it was not, you know, in English it will be you know bad actions, but badgari, I think was the translation you had. Yeah, but because badgari, I think is badgari is much better translation because yeah. badgari is like or yeah, Badkariya is like, you know, in English nowadays, people, they say, well, it's just, um, it's like being violent and it's being robbing people. You know, that's not khabaith, come on. Arabic has a very clear connotation with khubth and khabaith. Khubth and khabaith is what, yes. you know, when you go to the lavatory, this is what you say, how do we come in khubth with khabaith? You know, you... From from things that are filthy, you know, you know, whatever you think of robbery and highway robbery and 
brigandry and all these same things. There's no in any any usage of Arabic considered to be used as khabaith. You know, khabaith here is sexual deviancy, and it's not. I mean, here people, you know, you know. I mean, the, the world we live in is a strange place. We have Muslims who are now trying to articulate the fact that yes, we accept that um, what was done in the, amongst the people of Lod is that there was illicit activity, but it was forced, and it was forced illicit activity. If I would say that, and it was enforced, it was not by mutual consent um, with the other gender, mm. males with males. And they say, well, the the thing that the Quran was saying was that you know it's because you don't have permission to do that from the other person that it's wrong. So why why do you think this? So because it allows people to then try and attempt to make an, an argument which is completely fallacious, which is it's okay if, you, if if both parties agree and are happy with it. Now, the whole issue here is khabaith. Khabaith in terms of. The Quran it actually explains what that is because it says the Prophet Lut and elsewhere in the Quran it says it a couple of times. Do you prefer to exercise your lusts with men over women? So it's it's nothing to do with forcing anybody. It's to do with the 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 the, the gariza, which is the inclination and the desire to fulfill your your sexual desire with the other person who is from the same gender. And that was always understood to be the case. And so that's the reason, and it may well be other reasons. It wasn't necessarily idol worship. It was to do with the fact that they would, you know, you know, were socially, um, you know, you know, kind of aggressive as well to people. They were, they were, they were, they were a community that, you know, were very unjust to people that came from outside. But there was also this very well-known um, aspect of their lives which was condemned. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمَ سَوْءٍ فَاسِقِينَ That they indeed were, no doubt, a people who were sawin, which is depraved, and fasiqin, which is, you know, at the heights of um, vileness. And then Allah says, وَأَدْخَلْنَاهُ فِي رَحْمَتِنَا And in the end, and it doesn't tell you the whole story, which is, he comes, he, he speaks to people, he tells them not to do this, and he's visited by... To the two angels that came to the Prophet Ibrahim are the same ones that are coming to him. And the Prophet Ibrahim is told that we're, we're giving you news of a blessed child to you. And we're also going to your nephew, Lot, to tell him that we're going to destroy these two, two townships. And they come and the people of the, of the township find out that there's two guests in his house and they attempt to, you know, you know, do what they wanted to do, as was their norm. And... The two angels were there to inform the Prophet Lut that he, Allah was going to destroy those townships. So save yourself, save your family, save the people that believe in you, except for your for your wife. And so, you know, Allah says, We enveloped him within our mercy. Indeed, he was from the people that had this idea of quality of, of salah. And his wife, as you know, you know, you know, the next word is Wanuhan. And the Prophet Noah, his wife, and the Prophet Lut's wife are are created and placed in the Quran as, as two examples of wives who, despite the elevated st status of their husbands, insisted on bringing them down and bringing their message down, even though they weren't bad wives, you know, quote unquote, and as being wives, it, they're 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 they're. <laughs> 
before we go further on this one or loot ko humne apni rehmat mein dakhil kiya okay so why is it necessary here to emphasize the fact that innahu minas salihin as if prophet won't be this i mean just saying that he was a prophet should be enough no this this is to do with i mean this is to do with the um the structure nadam of the quran so the quran will use and 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 apply endings to verses which is to keep the nadam of the quran which is the 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 structural um, if you look at the verses kanu lana kanu lana abidin kanu qaum qaum fasiqin innahu min as-salihin min al-qarb al-'adhim jansan there's there's this this mesmerizing quality of the nadam nadam is like has the best way of explaining it. like a necklace yeah you know you, you have the diamonds you have the rubies but you have things in between that are sequence they they're they, they're necessary for the whole structure to stay in place and so the quran sometimes places things in just to give you that sense of repetition and just another aspect sometimes yes it is to respond to a misgiving and that comes up you know when that comes up you know if i teach i usually explain oh this is here because some people might think and here is not necessarily that of of that nature wa dakhalnahu fi rahmatina because god says we've enveloped him within our mercy itself it's clear that when allah says we give him hukum we give him knowledge of rules knowledge um we saved him from this 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 township it's clear that he is from the salihin this doesn't require that and so it's there to that nadam that hypnotic nadam of the quran you know from one aspect but also you know fadhkir remind for indeed the reminder you know benefits the believers is from that kind of aspect of it okay and innahu minas salihin and it continues and if we can just finish off with ayah number 76 before we yes and i am i number 36 is this idea i was talking about of the, of the, of the wives the two wives are archetypal wives who as opposed to other wives like the wife, wife of pharaoh who was pious these are two wives that openly rebelled against their husbands not from the perspective of being wives good wives they didn't commit fornication they didn't were unfaithful to him or both of them but what they did was they openly rebelled against what they were saying in terms of religion in terms of what they were teaching in other words you know it said about the wife of the prophet lut ali salatu wasalam that she would tell people when he had guests and she would spy for the other people against her husband mm-hmm. and the, the wife of nuh is exactly the same and what said is that you know that allah says that we will save all of you except for ilamra'atak we will save them all except for your wife and you know in the biblical narrations she turns and she turns into um the biblical narration is different from the quranic narration the quranic narration is that she is she is usurped within the destruction of the cities in the biblical narrative is that she leaves with her husband and he tells her not to look back and she looks back and she turns into a, you know a, a statue of salt so there's a different there's a completely different narrative in the in the biblical sources from what we have we just consider it to be a destruction that was done through natural sources and so it talks about it, this the, the the bridge that goes on to the prophet noah and the story of the prophet noah is this connection of the wives which are very similar so you know this idea of the prophet doing all of this preaching and teaching and the most close companion that you can imagine to the person is the one that's undermining their message 
So that kind of link, which is so um, painful to accept for even a normal person that, you know, you're doing something day in, day out, you're striving, and the person you would expect to support you is the one that's undermining you, you know. And you can imagine that is probably as great a torture as the, you know, this idea that you are being attacked by people outside. You know, if you think about it, you know, that, you know, you've watched in Pakistan, all these Pakistani dramas where, you know, it's it's that it's that internal hurt which is the worst, you know. And it's true. I mean, that is somebody who's supposed to be a life partner, somebody you can share your 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 happiness and your sadness with. And it happens to be not the case. And they still stand up. And Allah says, and remember the Prophet Nuh um, when he called out before this, and because he was well before this time, and we responded to him, and we, and we saved him and his family, from, you know, Qarb al-Azim is an interesting way of expressing what is essentially great agony, but it's the result of the great flood. So it, what's inter interesting here is it doesn't give you the details because the details come up somewhere else. This is about Anbiya, this is about Prophets and the general quick summary of basically what they're going through and what happens. So what happens, they go through difficulties, they stand up for the truth and they're saved. Allah says, when asarnahu, and we that's all the time yeah. we have uh, for reflections. Uh, uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullah.